when we think about church and what is church and doing church and being church, I honestly believe that what we're experiencing today is much more akin to what the early church was like than, uh, than what we typically do on any given Sunday. The early church was very much a, a gathering of people that would come and bring their gifts and their talents and share them. And uh, so, man, it's wonderful to, to have everybody up here uh, sharing their gifts and their talents and uh, uh, leading in music and uh, hearing our voices join together as one. And uh, um, Acts 2.43 talks about how awe came upon on everyone, these followers of Jesus, because many wonders and signs have been done by the apostles and all who believed were together and they had things in common and they would sell their possessions and their goods and distribute the proceeds to all as and he had need, and day by day they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day the Lord added to their number and those who were being saved. And uh, honestly, as I look around and experience what we did to already today, that's, I, I see a lot of that in, in what we're doing here. Um, and really it's, it ties together with what we've been doing with this Walk the Line series. Uh, we have spent uh, three weeks so far. This is our fourth uh, week in Walk the Line. Uh, today, we're going to shift the, uh, the sermon preparation to you all. And um, uh, before we do that, though, what I would encourage you to do is everybody uh, hopefully received a worship bulletin when you came in. And there's some space on there that says questions and answers. And what I would invite you to do is take the pens that are on your chairs and the bulletin, and we're each going to describe a little bit about what the message that we talked about over the past three weeks, what it was. And as we're talking, I invite you to, to write down any questions that you had. We do have some questions that were sent to us online that we will be addressing. Um, and, uh, and then we'll open up the floor to you all if there are any questions that we want to take live. Um, so with that, um, we're going to start uh, either Scott or Jason and talk about the, uh, the message that you spoke about. Yeah, about 30 seconds to one minute. Yeah. And uh, so I, uh, we kicked off the first week with the theme, Walk the Line Between Silence and Violence. And the, uh, the music part of that was uh, one of the house bands here at Artisan Church called Mag Magic Jesus Bus. Uh, starts as a joke. Uh, careful what jokes you tell here because we'll make it into a name. And uh, they did uh, songs from the civil rights movement in that era. And that was the, the musical part of that. And then the message that I brought was, again, walk the line between silence and violence. And I maintained that the way we do that scripturally and following Jesus' example is to be subversive in how we live our lives and live out the gospel and see the kingdom break through in very subversive ways. And that allows us to avoid either of those extremes. I was, I was second week, so I guess that means I go next. Um, I, I can't see the bogles over there if I do that. There we go. Okay. Uh, so the like second the week... Church, yes. <laughs> the early church had laptops, and it was wonderful. Um, so the second week, uh, we spoke about walking the line between sacred and secular, and we talked about how oftentimes, unfortunately... Those terms are used to divide the church, and oftentimes it's the sacred over here and the secular over there, and it's us over here and them over there. And what 
we were challenged to do is look at what Christ did, how he told people about the kingdom of God, how Christ's followers, the Apostle Paul and some of his other followers, uh, talked to people about Jesus and about the good news of, of new life, uh, and how oftentimes they would use in what today we would call the secular to talk to people about Jesus and about God's kingdom. And so instead of being us, them, instead of being sacred and secular, uh, we talked about using it more as a trajectory, starting with the secular, starting with the everyday stuff that people know and people are aware of, uh, because so oftentimes we try to start with things that are unfamiliar to people. Uh, the, the, this gospel, this Bible, these old writings, people just aren't familiar with them, uh, and try to start with that. So instead of doing that, let's start with the, the sec, this secular Things like music and movies and advertising and things that we see every day um, and move from the secular to the sacred and the one true sacred thing being God uh, in the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so uh, that was largely the, the second week. Music from the second week was uh, the band was the electric funk hammer and uh, largely a rock feel. And our band, our, our music we pulled was from the Black Crows, which many people would argue is not a Christian band. Um, they would argue that. that uh, they'd probably be successful in, in arguing that, yeah. Um, but uh, we looked at how that music could influence our view of uh, Christ and, and speak to our hearts about uh, God and point them towards God the Father. And in the third week, uh, which was last week, we addressed the topic of walking the line between pleasure and pain. And um, we used music from the band Over the Rhine and looked pretty heavily at the wisdom literature, particularly the book of Ecclesiastes, which, uh, depending on how you define optimistic, uh, may not be all that optimistic. <laughs> um, and so we, we talked about how pleasure and pain are, are normal parts of human existence, and they're not something that we can avoid, um, even if we wanted to. And... Uh, sort of talked a little bit about how to how to see God in the normal ups and downs of life, even when they're extremes. Um, so, you all, some of you all, sent in questions via the uh, interweb and uh, the uh, the online thingy, and so we want to open up our time by answering some of those. And then uh, this will give you hopefully an opportunity if you haven't written a question down to write one down. Um, also, um, again, this is very much, uh, we believe, the way the early church would have operated. Lots, a lot more sharing, a lot more back and forth, and not so much preaching and uh, you all sitting there passively taking it all in. So, um, uh, in a way, this kind of speaks to that whole subversive thing, even in what we're doing today. Um, uh, but uh, first off, uh, Scott, did you want to share that question and the, the, uh, your response sure. to it? Yep. Uh, one of the questions we received this week was directed toward um, toward me, I suppose, because it was it was uh, about the week that that I spoke. And the question, which I didn't again did not print out uh, to bring to you, I'm sorry, um, was something along the lines of: uh, You seem to be saying that suffering is an ordinary part of life as Christians, and I know that the Bible talks about us kind of embracing our suffering as a way to be, to be more like Christ, who suffered on our behalf. But 
how exactly does that work? How do you how do you think of life as a Christian and sort of deal with suffering in a way that that makes sense to your faith and and that kind of thing? Uh, if the person who asked that question is in the room and wants to clarify, that's that's great. But um, I'll kind of go at it as best I can uh, based on memory. Um, It's a hard question to, <laughs> to answer. When you think about the pain in the world, um, you know, if I limit things to my own life, I haven't really ever experienced anything that's super, super painful. I mean, I kind of walk around expecting a piano to fall on my head uh, to ruin my luck. <laughs> um, but if I think for even a second about the world beyond my life, um, which I recommend doing, it's pretty quick, you know, I'm pretty quick to realize that suffering is profound in the world. Um, so how do we deal with that as Christians? Um, I'm going to ask Brian to read uh, Romans 8.28, which you may have heard or even memorized, and I'm going to ask you a question in response to that question, kind of. Um, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Okay, so who has heard that verse before? I think we all have. Keep your hands up for a second. Now, how many of you have either been taught or believed for some reason, uh, just kind of even without being taught this, that that verse means everything that happens happens because God made it happen and it's good? You, and you should, you should sort of accept it as good because it comes from God and all things come from God and they're good. I've been taught that. I've kind of believed that at times in my life. But I've got to be honest, I think that's a terrible interpretation of that verse. Um, let me read it. Let me kind of read it back in a different way. The things that life throw, throws at us, the horrible things, the good things, all of it, it's not necessarily God making these little things happen to you. And so you have to accept it because it comes from God. What that verse means to me is that in the midst of profound suffering, God can and does and will work for our good in that. So did God make the earthquake in China happen? No, I don't think God did. Some of you may disagree with me, but I, I don't think God made that happen. Can God, in, the, in spite of the earthquake, work His will for goodness for those involved, for those around the world? Yes, I think He can and I think He does. So that's a slightly different take on, on that verse than the one that I hear most commonly expressed. And uh, hopefully that answers the question somewhat about, about how we should deal with suffering. It's not, I, I, what I'm saying is I don't recommend you just say, oh, God must be taking me through a trial right now. Maybe God is. I don't rule that out as a possibility. But I don't think every time something bad happens to you, it's God poking you. Um, but God is present in that situation and can and will and does work through it. Well, it's uh, your opportunity if you feel so bold. I, we realize that it's kind of it's risking a lot to, to ask a question and to put it out there. But... If anybody has anything that they would like to ask or, or um, put out there about uh, any of the topics um, that were covered 
uh, walking the line between uh, silence and violence, sacred and secular, pleasure and pain. Um, If anybody is brave enough to share their question, we'd love to hear it. Pastor Mike actually has a microphone in the back, and he's going to be playing the part of Montel Williams today. And... uh, (laughs) You may not think you need it, but please do use it because we're, uh, we're it would be helpful re- for everybody in the room to yeah. be able to hear your voice. It's for the podcast. I have a question. Doctor? Hello. <laughs> Do- doctor? Um, uh, I guess it's somewhat with the, uh, the second one, the uh, Sacred violence, and silence, or silence, violence and silence. Violence and silence, okay. Um, and it's sort of, as Christians, how do we walk the line of showing people love and demonstrating the love of Christ versus calling people to repentance, where you have kind of seeming both, where you have us trying to live a life and people will know us by our love. Then you have Paul preaching and angering people so much that he gets beat to nearly death, mm-hmm. and you're probably trying to kill him. You know, and so where do we walk that line where you sort of need, feel like you need to stand up and say, this is what's right, this is the holiness of God presented before you, calling you to repentance, and this is... When do we say, you know, I just need to love them and, and not be the source of calling these people to repentance, in a sense. Yeah, uh, so forcing them, but sort of, that, that's a fine line of angering people versus having them love you. But both of them seem to be that God calls us or examples of doing both. So uh, even in the, at least the, the way I presented it uh, from Scripture there that, that first week, even using the word subversive, does not always have a good connotation to it in some people's minds. So even putting that out there says this, this is going to step on some toes and bug some people and, and maybe, you know, get you thrown to lions, you know, to, for instance. Uh, when, so in part, it sounded like what your question was getting at was, is there moments of decision where you just need to be very crystal clear with people that there's a holy God who requires this of us and requires this of you and you are not <laughs> responding the way you should, when do you do that? And when do you just sort of love people, be kind, put an example out there, and let them kind of through osmosis figure it out? Uh, I would say this, the, that is actually more on the silence end of this, the extreme. So I, wouldn't, I, I don't think we should be completely silent. If we don't verbalize and articulate our faith, what, uh, why Christ came to the world, died, rose again, and how that implicates us, then we are selling the story far short. Um, so, so, so to figure out that line, I think the language of being subversive is still helpful, though. I think it's rare that you lead with that, unless you are a gifted apostle who is being called to start, you know, share the ministry of Christ in a brand new context, such as Paul was. That may call for a different kind of uh, approach. Um, I feel like in my life, I often am too silent on that point, which may sound odd for a pastor to say that. Um, and about the only way I know that I'm being too silent is somewhat subjective. It's, it sort of feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting me when I realize that here's a person that's struggling with something, and they know where my life's coming from. They know who Christ is, in, at least conversationally, and yet I'm, I'm not really giving them the full picture here. Um, so when you do that, um, kind of the flippant answer in some ways is, is the Holy Spirit telling you to, which is not very helpful if then you're like, well, how do you hear the Holy Spirit? And that's, that's a whole other message in some ways. Uh, what I found that whenever I 
sense God telling me to do something that would be uncomfortable and might get someone mad at me or that every time I do it, that's always been the better thing, honestly, because I tend to be the other way. Now, if you tend to be obnoxious and a jerk, listen to the voice of God that tells you shut up and see if that plays out better occasionally. You know, so it could be, you know, who's talking? Um, but um, I, I think bottom line, we've got to be clear about the gospel. And we can't, you know, the gospel is not a poem and a hug. There's, there's content to it. Uh, and there's, there's blood shed for, for what that means. And we ought to be clear about that at some point. Um, but we ought to be very sensitive to how the Holy Spirit leads us um, to share that. And I think the more subversive we are, the more we create an environment where that will be received as good news and not as shouting and violence or as something to be ignored and unimportant. In Scripture, it talks about, um, in John 13, if you want to write these down, you can, you can look these up later. John 13, 35 says that they will, they will know that you are my followers because of your love one for another. Uh, in other words, it's, it's kind of this idea that um, people will know that we are Christ followers because of the love we share, not because of us standing on a street corner with some really ugly signs and calling people names and telling them they're going to burn in hell. I mean, the reality, the reality is there, okay? The reality of, 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 of hell and punishment and that, that stuff is there, yes. And I, I think that's where your, some of your questions coming from. Jonathan, that's it's a really really good question. Um, the question kind of continues on to say, well, then when do we and and how do we and maybe even do we? Because um, Romans 14, I, I encourage you all to read the entire chapter of Romans 14. Now, this is specifically talking, I, I think, about about uh, Christ followers, um, but I think we can apply it to to everyone. Um, it's, it's, it's basically, to sum up Romans 14, it says, Who are you to judge one another? Who are you? Um, and I think that we need to be very careful as we are living in the world um, to forget that we are sinners saved by God's grace and that, uh, but for the grace of God, we are equal with everyone here. It has nothing to do with us at all. Everything to do with Jesus Christ. Um, and so when we, when we come to a world that is hurting and broken, and you know, honestly, I remember back before I was a Christ follower, I, I knew that I was not right with God. I knew that. You know, you've got to be seriously deluded to not feel that in some way. Um, and that, I honestly believe that's God working in our lives already. You know, some people call that prevenient grace, the grace that was there before, drawing you to God. Uh, before the person uh, comes up and says, hey, there's this guy, Jesus Christ, I want to tell you about him. Um, and so we, you know, I, I just, I think that uh, it's a very good question. And so often uh, we forget that Jesus talked about people knowing that we are Christ followers because of the way we love each other, not because of the way we exposit scripture or think that we're right and you're wrong or separate us and them. And uh, so it's, I think we need to be grace-filled as 
Other questions uh, from the Question other areas? Here in the back. Where do you get your series, um, the top, the name of the topic? In a magazine, we found in a bush. Yeah. Hand that microphone <laughs> right back to Mike. I think, I think Mike could answer a little bit for this particular one, uh, and then we can talk. I stole this one from Scott. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the, Mike, the, why don't you come up here so people aren't cricking their neck to... Oh, why? That's fine. Um, <laughs> the, the Artisan iMix is something we've been doing for a while now. We've been doing it uh, three years. Three years. Uh, the iMix... <laughs> Is, is trying to take the traditional um, fourfold liturgy and kind of flip it on its head. Uh, so instead of everything leading to, to a message and then kind of leading from a message, which is what most of us are kind of used to, um, we make the, everything lead to whatever art happens to be there instead of the art serving whatever happens to be there. Uh, this time around, we decided instead of to do style-specific things, like the last, two, the last two years, this is three, this is two, um, we, uh, we did uh, different styles, different genres, blues, jazz, rock and roll, um, and kind of let those styles preach. This time around, we thought it would be more fun to let specific artists preach. Um, and honestly, Over the Riding was kind of the... the the one that was just so powerful and so fantastic that, you know, if we did rock and blues, the third week was going to be over the Rhine because it was perfect. And then, so we kind of used that as the idea, the model, and said, well, what other, what other artists out there are saying, are, are, are saying things that, that mesh really well with the Christian life, with the gospel, with with the life of the church, with the life of the believer and community, um, but aren't saying them that way. They're not using those words. They're not using our jargon. They're, they're, they're just speaking from their heart, and this is what comes out. Um, you know, thus, music from the civil rights movement, um, the Black Crows, who are nowhere even close to being a Christian band, but have a lot of very kind of Countercultural things to say. Um, that's that's where, where how this series kind of evolved. Um, is that, is that yeah? Well, and then does that go to your question? I'll jump from that. So that series fits in the whole context then, where there's basically three ways that we come up with series here at Artisan, which, which as with many things we do here, it's somewhat eclectic. We don't have a particular place we land where some traditions will do one or the other. There is something uh, called the lectionary. Some of you may be familiar with that, depending on your, your church background or not, where it's a rhythm of reading through the scriptures every three years, in essence. And so if you Googled revised common lectionary, um, one of the top hits there would show you, you know, there's scriptures that go with each Sunday. In a lot of high church traditions, mainline denominations, Catholic, Episcopal, Greek Orthodox, will use. And so around the world today, many churches we're engaging the same scriptures, and there's something powerful about that. So sometimes, particularly on high holy seasons like Advent, uh, the season of Lent leading up to Easter, and other times, but those in particular, we almost always go to the lectionary because that rhythm of scripture tends to tell the story really well, and it's hard for us to screw that up too badly. So there's the lectionary. There's also something called Lectio Continua, 
which uh, is basically the continuous reading, where you go through a whole book, a whole book of scripture. We've done that too. Uh, book of Nehemiah is one we did recently. Uh, Song of Solomon we've done. Um, I'm trying to think if we've done any others. But that's where you go through scripture, maybe verse by verse, maybe section by section, but you, you look at a whole book of the Bible as a whole during a series. And then the third one that we do, which this series we just did was really part of that, is topical, uh, which I think more starts with the pastoral heart for what do the folks need to hear, what do they want to hear, and then what do they need to hear, <laughs> and then can we combine or overlap those two a little bit. And so topical is when we start with a topic and then see how scripture can speak to a topic that's on people's minds. And we honestly, we do a pretty good rhythm of going through all three of those um, throughout. If you look at our series, and some that you may think were topical, um, oh, the uh, Stones and Bones, Unearthing Faith Foundations, that may have seemed like a topical series. It was actually lectionary-based, which led perfectly into, uh, into the Easter season because it was the whole salvation story from, from the garden uh, through Moses, Abraham, the Davidic uh, messianic promise, and then Easter. So, so does that get to the, the whole of that? And then the way that happens is these four guys, um, and sometimes input from others, um, we just come up with ideas, share them, and beat each other up over it so we come up with an idea that we all agree on. So, so kind of a unique thing that's going to be happening in the, the upcoming weeks yeah, we're um, change it up even more. is uh, this is very exciting. Very, very exciting. It's, I, I'm particularly psyched out of my mind about this one. Um, the, uh, something called One Prayer, where it's kind of a modern day uh, lectionary in a way. Um, we have literally hundreds of churches across the globe that are going to be doing this one prayer series together. And we're all going to be kind of viewing the same uh, images and reading the same scriptures and praying the same prayers together. And it's just a real powerful, powerful uh, time in God's word and, and, and in really in community, even if it's not in the same physical space in the, in the same kind of spiritual space, uh, which is exciting. Yeah, some, the details of that are actually in the bulletin. We kick that off next week. Um, is there someone fixing their hair and then an actual question? <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian, you sort of talked about this idea of moving from, you know, the everyday secular, uh, you know, up to the sacred. And to me, that sounds a lot like Plato. Um, and I know you don't necessarily mean to make... Not Play-Doh. Not Play-Doh. Play-Doh, Play the philosopher guy. Because I know you're guy. into both, so I just wanted yeah. to clarify. Um, uh, you know, this idea that, like, you know, the world is sort of, you know, just these shadows and these, you know, kind of vague images on the cave wall, and then you move up into the sunlight. And I, I sort of question, um, you know, is it that we're moving from secular to sacred or that... that all things were, were sacred to begin with, and, and that it's, it's merely re-recognizing, you know, that, that that was true. Yeah, that's an excellent point, and, and just recognizing that, you know, God created, you know, you go back to Genesis, and, it, you know, whether it's Platonic view of, uh, of Genesis or uh, an actual true reading, you know, God created and it was good. Um, and so the stuff of every day 
that I think, again, it's, it's, it, I believe, I've said this in the message, but I honestly believe this. <clears throat> we, we try to control. We, we like to be in control. We like to know that, you know, we, where we are in places and things like that. And so we do things like separate us and them. And so uh, what is sacred, what is secular, it, it makes us feel comfortable when we can get our hands around stuff. Um, it makes us really uncomfortable to think of things as, as, as all of creation as being good and uh, coming at it from that perspective. And that all of creation can... can uh, the other thing that I want to make sure that we don't do um, is come at creation from a utilitarian point of view also, in that all of creation can be used for something. You know, there's, there's really, we've, we've, we've kind of fallen into that trap just because of the culture that we're in, um, that whether it's art or God's creation or, you know, whatever it is, that somehow it has to serve some function in my life instead of just being. Um, and, and we come at that in our own lives. Uh, we're guilty of falling into that trap, that we have to serve some function. And so we get wrapped up in our work, and a lot of our self-value is wrapped up in what we do and how much money we bring home and what kind of car we drive and, and all that other stuff, um, instead of realizing that, that God created us and it was good and uh, that all of creation speaks to the glory of God, and that um... it's very C.S. Lewisian idea that you know, I mean it's biblical, but C.S. Lewis says it very kind of clearly in one of his. I think it's in Mere Christianity somewhere that that God created everything as good, and the only evil that exists is distortion of that good. It's not two opposite powers warring against each other; it's one distorting the goodness of of the other. Get to what you were asking, Lip. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So we're not like. So the purpose of this chair is to be used for a sacred per. It's a chair, and it's good. <laughs> Sit in it. You know. Um, so no, we're very we're very very Hebraic here. I would say in our view of creation. Time for a couple more. Yeah, and why don't we open up? It, if there are questions, just in general, um, we, we've talked a little bit about uh, questions regarding uh, walk the line. Um, we're going to go to a place uh, in just a minute of, of talking about a little bit more of where we're going as a church over the summer. But maybe in the in-between space, if you have a question about sacred and secular, cool. If you have just a question in general, we'd love to, to hear it. So Claudia has the mic. Yes, I do. Um, kind of going back a little bit to talking about subversion. I, I really enjoy being subversive myself, but it's not always. Um, I think you can be subversive in a positive way, in, in a negative way. Um, but those of us who, you know, I was really touched. I, I was gone for Brian and Scott's version, but I was here for, for yours, Jason. And I, it really spoke to me uh, about being subversive. But I think those of us who tend to... I tend not to be a, a philosophical sort of thinker. I'm like, okay, what can I do now? What can I, you know, just what we were talking about just a minute ago, sorry. Um, but I do want to say, what can we do at Artisan? What are some things that we have in place for those of us who may not know what to do, to go about how to go about being subversive, how to go about making a difference? 
um, what are some things that we're doing here. So you're, you're looking for actual, how do we get it from the world of ideas to actually doing something? Yeah, that's how I kind of function. We kind of prefer ideas, honestly, so. You don't have to you know, do much. It's one. a lot easier. Next but, question. <laughs> Uh, when, it's really in, tough. In a moment, when Brian shares some of what's going to come up, yeah. I think it will speak to that. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to let him do that, and if that's not enough, we'll we'll take some we'll questions at the end of that too. Yeah. But I think there's some things because we want to be very subversive in this collection of neighborhoods that we find ourselves at the center of. It's fascinating where God has placed us geographically as a young newish church, and I think so. I think Brian will touch on that, and then maybe you can throw another question there afterwards if we still need to. So. Keep that floating around, because we'll, I think we'll touch on that, or Brian will. We can take one more one before more. we go. We get to that, though, if, if anyone has one. If not, we can get right to that. Okay, great. Um, I, I can let that linger for a little bit longer, if you want, if there's someone that's really, really... Uh, uh, what's that? Attention bill. Everyone uncomfortable? Okay, let's move on. Um, sure. Unless you want to go down, it's up to you. In your bulletin, you'll notice that uh, we have something called the, the Social Justice Guild. Um, and there's a meeting coming up on Wednesday from 7 till 9. Um, here at Artisan, one of the ways that we live life together is through things called guilds. And so we have a musician's guild, and the musicians create and bring forward our music that leads us uh, in the music time of our gathering. Um, we have a, a hospita hospitality guild that uh, brings forth food um, every week so we can have fellowship together. Um, and the Social Justice Guild is a new-ish guild that we are um, really ramping up this year. Uh, some of the good stuff that's happening is uh, Adria Weber, who had been functioning on our leadership team, um, is stepping down from the leadership team to really step up to um, taking hold of this social justice guild and really running with it and making it wonderful. And so we're really looking forward to that in this coming year. Um, and if you would like to be a part of the planning of that, if you really are, like Claudia was talking about, a, a hands-on person that likes to know, well, how are we going to live this out? How are we going to do stuff? Let me encourage you to go to this Social Justice Guild planning meeting. Um, as we are looking to the future of Artisan, we, we've been talking about things and asking you to pray for us uh, regarding things like this building and what are we going to do with this. Currently, we're renting this building from our denomination um, and they have asked us uh, to prayerfully consider buying it. And so we've asked the question, are we going to buy this place? We've been doing things like painting and putting down carpet and putting up molding and chair rail and oh, doesn't it look sharp? That's a wicked sharp. But it's um, but we know it's not about the building. We know that the church church is not about uh, four walls and a bunch of seats. You know that is not what God called us to. Um, and so we've been asking the question and prayerfully seeking God and, and God has started to plant seeds in our hearts about things like we've been talking for a long time about taking out the, the walls of the offices here and opening that space up and making it kind of like a big cafe area and opening up the wall where the coat room is and just making it a place that's a little more welcoming as people come in. It's an open space, um, not just a long hallway. 
And, and so we've been throwing these ideas around. We, we have been thinking that this summer we are going to take our time, our, our, our money, and our, our energies and, and knock out those walls. And then uh, God's been laying this on my heart. It, it's been, I think, uh, speaking to Pastor Jason's heart a little bit too. Um, I haven't had this conversation with Scott and Mike. Um, Jason and I just talked about it last week a little bit more in-depthly. But it's very possible that God's been talking to them too about making us outward focused. And, you know, yes, we'll get to the walls in here. But before you do that, you really need to show the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, oh, who are, never mind, um, that, uh, that you care. The people that you meet each day, you know. Uh, is, the, is the fireman a person in my neighborhood? Yes, I do. In my neighborhood. Yes, he is a person in your neighborhood. God save us from ourselves. Okay. That, that preaches right there. Huh? So, <laughs> we, we've been thinking about ways to get us out of this building. God's really been saying, no, let's change your focus. He's been saying to my heart anyway. Let, the walls here... For whatever reason, things are, are, as we try to get approval to do this and permits and things like that, it's just gone very slowly. Part of it is my own fault. Part of it is, is just, it's not happening. And so I think God has been slowing us down to say, no, I want you to go out. And so what is going to be happening over the summer is God has also been giving us great connections and, and, and favor, if you like to use that kind of terminology, favor in our community. And so we are starting to connect with these neighborhoods. If you look at a map, if you pull up the Rochester uh, government map, uh, rochester.gov, I think is what it is, or something like that, and look at the actual neighborhood maps, where we are seated, seated right here, uh, we have Brighton, basically right over there. And then over here, directly across the road, that is Swilberg neighborhood. On our side of the road, going that way, is the neighborhood formerly known as Elwanger Berry. It is now a symbol, but now that's... Am I that old that nobody gets the Prince reference? My God. Um, so it is uh, formerly known as Alwanger Berry. It's being changed over to the Highland Park Association. And so that's north there. Can, can, or, I don't know where we're, that's northish that way. Um, is it west? Northwest. Um, so that way. Um, and further towards the city that way is the uh, South Wedge uh, neighborhood. And uh, further that way is the Upper Monroe neighborhood. And so we are really at the nexus of about three neighborhoods, and then we are kind of connected to the South Wedge also. And um, so these community groups have been speaking to us, and, and we've been talking to them, and they're excited about what we're doing. There's this new yellow building in their neighborhood. They're not real sure what's going on there, but it looks vibrant and new. And uh, so they've been talking to us and asking us questions. And, and we know that coming up over the summer, there are going to be four block parties over in Swilberg. And so one of the ideas that we had was, hey, why don't we go bless our neighborhoods? And, you know, simple things like let's, let's provide refreshments for them while they're there. So we're going we're gonna to bring a, a keg of root beer. And, yes, it's going to be root beer at these neighborhood parties. And um, while we're there, ask the question, are, are, is there a family, is there, is there a, a, a house here in your neighborhood that 
is in desperate need of repair or painting or the yard work or something like that, um, that the, the owner might be ill or elderly or there might be some situation in their life where they're just they're overwhelmed and they're not able to care for their, their house. And so we can come alongside them and paint their house, clean up their yard, and be a blessing to them and a blessing to the community because, as you all know, th those of you that are homeowners and maybe those of you that are, that are renters, um, when you clean up one house and make it beautiful, the entire neighborhood uh, it improves. So, um, so how do we live out this Jeremiah uh, uh, 29, 4 through 7 um, idea of, of build houses, raise families, plant gardens, pray for your community and, and bless your community for in, in its blessing you'll find your own. How do we do that here? Um, another idea that we've had is, and this is where the uh, neighborhood groups have gotten particularly excited, is we've had a, this idea for ever since we've kind of been here in this building of this, this corner of Highland Parkway, which is the road right out here in South Clinton. What if we put a, a playground right out there? What if we, what if we built a playground that would be a blessing to the, the kids of our neighborhood that would show, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the love of Christ in a very real, tangible way. Um, that, that this is a church that wants to bless their community and really be a part of what's going on. And so when we bring, we, Jason recently brought this up at a, at a meeting with, was it Swipic or was it, it South, was the, uh, South It was the Clinton Merchant Association. I okay. hung out with them Monday and uh, fascinating stuff. So they, they started to talk about, all right, well, let's make this happen. And they got really excited. They started talking about, well, if you, we, we know that you can get grants for this. And this is how you do it. Here's the people you need to contact. And we need three months in order to get this stuff started. So you need to start it right away. And they're excited about what's going on here. And, you know, just to see this, this excitement about, you know, God saying to us, they will know that you are my followers by your love one for another. So how do we love our community? How do we bless it? How do we show the love of Christ in a very real, very tangible way? And these are just some ways that, that God seems to be laying on our hearts that, uh, that we need to clean up our communities and make, make it beautiful and, and restore it and, and just, uh, uh, just bless. So back to Claudia's very specific question. How can you start being subversive? Um, the Social Justice Guild, I meet with them this Wednesday night, we are going to, and if folks who join, we're going to talk about that strategy for doing that this summer here. And the things you can do to be subversive is man the root beer keg uh, at the block party. There's, at the end of July, I think, there's a kind of a neighborhood-wide um, celebration that will happen in the Otto von Hernberg Park. It's a block and a half that way or whatever. Uh, we're talking about crazy ideas like you know, what if this church owned a, uh, a bouncy castle that we just took with us wherever we could go? There's, there's a little bit of divide on that amongst the staff. Um, <laughs> but Brian and I think it's a good idea. <laughs> um, so, uh, so those are some very specific ways to be subversive. And I think you can do that where you live. What if you were to throw open your grill, you know, on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon and yell over to your neighbor, do you want to throw some meat on here too and, or cook extra and invite them? Yeah, you, yeah Brenda's all for the uh, extra food and inviting people. Um, it's not complicated. Um, anyway.
So uh, we want to throw it back just for the last closing couple of minutes. If there are any questions about anything that we've shared here today, if there's uh, uh, whether it's about the message series or anything that we just shared that was unclear, we realize and recognize. You put your hands up while I'm talking here. If there's any questions, that uh, a lot of this stuff is in our heads, and we've talked about it as a staff for for seems like forever. And so what is crystal clear to us, we understand, might be the very first time that people are hearing it and confusing and scary. So um, if there are any questions, please do let us know. Um. Where is the mic? Over here, Mike. Scott. Mike with the mic. I was going to ask, um, if you're unable to make Wednesday, are there ways to kind of follow up with that so that you can uh, continue to get involved? Uh, what will come out of that? Hypothetically speaking, of course. Yeah. <laughs> if, 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 for instance, uh, what our social justice guild, what's unique about a lot of what we do here at this church, we don't sort of hire people or have super volunteers that then go do ministry on our behalf because we don't want to or can't or don't think we should. The Social Justice Guild exists to create opportunities for everyone at Artisan to jump in on stuff. So the folks who do that are, are sort of the, the ones who will create some events, some, some ways of doing that, that then will be shared with everyone here. So even though you're not going to be at that, there'll be stuff that will then say, so here's the four block parties that are going on. Do you want to hang out at one of those? Uh, the other thing is you just throw ideas uh, our way if, uh, if you're talking more specifically about stuff you wanted to share. Um, just know this is not just to scare anyone from offering ideas. If you offer an idea, we are going to want to see that happen, but we're mainly going to want to see it happen through you doing it. Uh, just going to be honest. We love ideas, but we have enough ideas with people who will do the ideas that we, ha we just haven't got around to the ideas that don't have people to do them yet. That's just the way it is, and that's okay. So if you've got an idea, just know you better have yourself or someone else who wants to put into practice uh, to see it come about, uh, and that will be a good thing too. So does that get to your question then? All right. All right, well, as we, uh, as we close our time, one of the things that uh, we talked about for the sacred secular message was just the way that Christ and his followers used the everyday stuff uh, to point towards God. And as we respond, as we do every week, uh, there is a time uh, where we have table. This is the, the table of Eucharist or Thanksgiving. And Jesus took some very everyday common stuff. These, these, this would be found at any meal that they would have shared together. And he took bread and, and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, his followers, and he said... Take this and eat it. And when you do this, when you break bread together, remember me. Remember my broken body for you. After supper was over, he took the cup and he passed it around to his disciples. He says, take this cup and drink from it. And when you do this, this common act of, of drinking from a cup, remember me. Remember the blood that was shed for you so that you could have a right relationship with God. Nothing that you can do can fix the fact that you are separated from God. But I have come and I have paid the price for you. And so this is the representation of my blood. Re remember me. Remember what I've done for you. So we invite you to come to table. 
break a piece of the bread off, dip it in either the wine or the juice, and remember Christ, His sacrifice for you and for me to prepare the way and make the way for God into our hearts. We invite anyone that is uh, on the journey with Christ, that is seeking after Christ to, to partake of the elements there. If you are uh, seeking Christ or seeking out this thing, this Christian thing, and not real sure where you stand there, uh, we invite you to come on over. There's, there's a, a kneeler here if you just want to kneel silently or pray. Anyone can, can come on over. There's a couple chairs over that, here that I'll be sitting at if anybody would like to just come and pray for a moment. Uh, maybe there's someone in your life that's hurting and needs prayer. Uh, maybe there's somebody that's sick. Uh, maybe you yourself are struggling with something. You just want to talk to a pastor about it. Just come on over and, and, and let's pray together. And, uh, and finally, we're going to uh, respond uh, through music again and uh, sing to, to our Lord. And uh, we'll go on from there. So let's bow our hearts in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this gift of celebration, of remembrance, of thanksgiving. Lord, as we go to table or go to prayer or sing these songs, Lord, we thank you for your gift of grace in our lives. We thank you for your broken body, for your poured out blood, for this, this new covenant, this new life that we can have because of, of Jesus Christ who lived and died for us and then was born again, born anew, resurrected to new life and opened that doorway for us to share eternity with you, Father. Thank you for that. We offer the rest of our time up to you in praise and thanksgiving. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.